Thank you for joining us this morning at Experience Church. My name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors here on the team, and I'm going to be discussing Romans 8, verses 24 through 25, which actually covers one of my favorite things to talk about, which is heaven. So would you join me in reading? Romans 8, 24 through 25 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? That's a lot of hope that we just read about. But in order to really understand what Paul is referring to, we have to look back on what he said before in order for us to understand what this hope really means. Romans 8 verses 20 through 21 says, In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. I want to propose something to you today that perhaps the church has a not complete understanding of what heaven could look like and what our function is in heaven as children of God. So let's pray before we jump in. Father, I thank you today that there is a place called heaven, that heaven is our hope, and surely we'll be there with you for eternity. God, would you speak today in a way that makes sense to us? Would your word come forth with power? God, would you stir inside of us a desire and a longing to know you more? In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says, for in this hope we were saved. And when you read a verse like this, it's really important not to just focus on that one verse, but to look at what it means in the context of the chapter or the book or the storyline of the Bible. See, what Paul is referring to is what's to come next. For in this hope, We were saved. And it's really the hope of our salvation. Not just that we are delivered from sin, which we are, but that we're delivered to eternal glory with the Father in heaven. But like I said earlier, heaven is often misunderstood. Heaven is often limited to solutions or solves to our personal pain points. The general understanding of this hope is often slanted to a way where it points all the attention to me. It's a consumer American version of heaven. All the treasures we could ever want, no more stress, a peaceful place to play with my family and my friends. And while these are truly elements of what heaven could look like, it's not heaven in its entirety. Because heaven isn't about our benefit of things. Heaven is our benefit by just being with the Father for eternity. And so the misunderstanding most times is we pray a prayer of salvation and say amen, and we've reached the pinnacle of our hope, like there's nothing greater to come after that. But this hope does not end at the amen of your salvation prayer. This hope actually starts when you say amen. This hope is about our renewed bodies. This hope is about new earth reconciled to heaven like it was in the Garden of Eden. That's what this hope is all about. See, Genesis 1, 28, the Bible says, And God blessed them, man and woman. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. This was God's intention for us, to have dominion and to reign On this earth. See, this hope that Paul talks about is 
how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray when he says, on earth as it is in heaven. What I've found in my life is that we ought to live from this hope so that we can live for this hope. See, this hope that Paul talks about should steer and guide the way that we live our lives. The reality of this hope with God the Father should cause us to zoom out in our lives, to consider our lives in the context of eternity. Kind of like when you have one puzzle piece and you can zoom in on that puzzle piece, but it'll never make sense until you zoom out and you're able to fit the rest of the pieces around that one. Then you see the big picture. So let's answer some questions today. What does this hope look like? See, I even went to Instagram this week to ask you guys what your version of heaven could look like. And I've got to tell you, we have some creative people in our church. But when I was first saved, one of the first sermons I ever listened to was from Francis Chan, who was a pastor then in Simi Valley, California. And he posed this question when he talked about God's extravagant love. And he said, if you could have heaven with no sickness... And with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict, no natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? See, I think our understanding of heaven is just all of these benefits of having things, very personal pain points that are relieved and personal issues in our lives that are solved. But this hope that Paul talks about isn't even about going to a place. This hope is about being with God the Father and Jesus the Son. So let's dispel some myths today about heaven. See, heaven is not a floating abyss where we aimlessly worship God with no sense of creativity or self. Heaven is not just a place you go when you die. We don't turn into Casper the friendly ghost. Charles Spurgeon, who's a famous theologian, said this about heaven. He says, saints in heaven are not passive beings driven along the path of obedience by a power which they cannot resist. But as intelligent agents, they freely elect to be holiness unto the Lord. Here's a couple things you can remember about this hope. This hope leads us towards obedience. This hope leads us towards holiness. And this hope leads us to becoming who we were truly born to be. And so there's three things that I want to talk about today in reference to this hope. I want to talk about our renewed bodies. I want to talk about what we'll do in heaven. And I want to talk about our dominion over a new earth. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 say this. For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly move to wait, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. 
The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little bit of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. So here's my question to you. What is your idea of your renewed body? What does that mean? Our resurrection bodies, what do those look like? Now, if you're anything like me, my first thought was I went to immediately thinking I could eat all of my favorite things and not gain a calorie. That sounds like a perfect resurrection body. And so I started listing some food items. I grew up in Hawaii. So, you know, eating a plate full of Kahlua pig and not gaining a calorie would be incredible. Eating lumpia, all the lumpia I could find with the sauce and not gain a calorie would be a perfect resurrection body. Or what about this? My favorite snack in the world, cosmic brownies. Yeah, that sounds so good. But that's not the reality at all of what our resurrection bodies could look like. I've even thought about in my resurrected body, could I look like The Rock? Or what about Michael B. Jordan? <laughs> Listen, our resurrected bodies are not like these brand new uh, bodies that we've never seen before. In heaven, you will be you. The same ethnicity, the same height, the same hair color, same eye color, the same personality, talents, and gifts, the same five senses, but perfected without limitations or sickness or disabilities, without being subject to decay. See, you'll be the best version of you, but you'll still be you. And so I'm looking through the Bible and I'm reading where Jesus is resurrected and shows back up to his disciples in Luke 24. And Jesus comes to his disciples and says, it is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. See, Jesus' resurrected body was still him, even with the wounds in his side. But he wasn't subject to the fallen state of the earth, sickness, pain, hurt, or decay. So now that we have an idea of what our resurrected bodies or our renewed bodies would look like, I've always wondered, and maybe you have too, what will we even do in heaven? Because I know in Revelation 7, the Bible says that we'll be with thousands of people who look differently than us and sound differently than us, but we'll be at the foot of the Father worshiping him. But is that all? I don't think so at all. In Genesis 2.15, the Bible says that Adam was created and that God said that he took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. See, work was part of the original Eden. Work was part of the intent that God had for us when he first created us. It was part of a perfect human life here on earth. See, on the new earth, we'll still serve and work for Jesus in a perfect society where we can create and design without sin, where everything will be fair, where we won't be competing against each other, but we'll be working together for each other. We won't be working under the curse, toiling to put food on the table or make rent, but working simply for enjoyment and as an act of worship unto God. Randy Alcorn, who wrote the book Heaven, which is an incredible read, says this in his book. He says, every citizen of the new heaven and new earth will have an appointed role, one that fulfills him or her and contributes to the whole. No one will fall through the cracks in God's kingdom. 
No one will feel worthless or insignificant. This really reminds me of one of the items that we talk about a lot at Experience Church, where we say that you can build a life that matters. See, your work passions, your longings, your desires, it's probably what you're going to be doing on the new earth. If you're an architect or a builder, you're probably going to be building on the new earth. If you're a designer, programmer, developer, a techie, you're probably going to be programming something on the new earth. If you love caring for people or animals or the earth, that's probably what you're going to be doing. But you'll be doing it because it's fulfilling, not because it offers the best salary and benefit package. And so we have our renewed bodies and we know what we'll be doing on earth. And the last thing that I want to talk about today is what God's intention was for us. See, God's original intention of heaven and earth was being united. But because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, sin caused division. And God's intention is to create a new earth where on earth as it is in heaven becomes a reality. My idea of what heaven looks like has changed over the years. Because early on I thought, It was just about praying this prayer of salvation and then I'm just kind of here until I go to heaven. But what I learn about through the text and reading different commentaries is that heaven is nothing like we've ever imagined before. Heaven isn't just this place where we go and we don't know what happens and we have no control of what we're doing. But heaven is like the Garden of Eden where God created this place where heaven and earth collided And there was perfect harmony where God literally walked on earth alongside Adam and Eve. And so if I live from this hope that Paul talks about, I can live for this hope. See, at the end of this verses 24 through 25, he says that we wait for it with patience. The word patiently is the same as in Luke 8 verses 4 through 15, where he talks about the parable of the seed and the sower. When the Bible says, but the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word. The idea of waiting for it patiently means they hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. It literally means that we hold on to this hope, this idea of heaven, this longing to be with the Father for eternity. We hold on to it no matter what. Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, however long it's going to take us. The same way that you would wait for your Amazon package. Come on, let's admit it. Through quarantine and through the pandemic, we've all probably ordered more Amazon packages than we needed to. I can say that we've probably spent more money via Amazon than we should have spent over the last year. But let's talk about when you order something from Amazon. If you're anything like me, it's got to be Prime. If it's not Prime, I'm not ordering it. I want two-day shipping. Overnight is even better. But once I place an order, I leave that browser window up. I don't close it. Because I'm trying to track when it's coming. (laughs) Come on, don't even lie about it. You hit the refresh button every 30 seconds to find out when that package is going to arrive. And if it's Prime, like I said, it better be here in two days max. But we expect it, we long for it, and we check in on it. It's kind of like what Paul is saying here. If this is the hope that saves us, we should be expecting it. 
We should be longing for it. We should be checking on it patiently, no matter the cost, whatever it takes, however long it takes. Now, where I live, we've uncovered an issue in my community when it comes to Amazon packages. It is the rise of porch pirates. Have you ever heard the phrase porch pirates? It's to describe these people who will follow an Amazon delivery truck. And once the Amazon driver delivers that package on your front porch, these porch pirates will swoop in and actually take the package from your porch. Here's why I'm talking about Amazon and porch pirates. I believe firmly that we have porch pirates in our lives that ruin the idea of waiting patiently for this hope. There are things that come in and dilute and pollute the image of what we have of this hope. There are things that confuse us and cause us to think that this hope isn't worth it. And so I want to take a moment here to pause because we all have them. If you're at home with someone watching with you, or maybe if you're by yourself, would you just ponder this thought? What are some porch pirates in my life that cause the waiting patiently for this hope to be challenging and difficult? All right, well, in my life, one of those porch pirates, honestly, is media. Media, as in social media. Because social media tempts me to forget about the things that are or are to come and replace it with something now. Like, I'm not satisfied waiting for something in the future. I've got to be gratified now. There's no sense of delayed gratification in my life when I allow social media to influence the way I think, and the way I process things. And so maybe you can relate to that idea, but that's one of the porch pirates in my life. Now, what I love about the gospel is this. It doesn't answer all the questions. See, we have an idea of what this hope could look like or sound like, but we don't have all the answers because hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? So while we wait for this hope, what can we do? Do we just huddle up at church every Sunday, away from all the chaos, and twiddle our thumbs and wait until Jesus returns? 
Here's a thought that I want you to consider today. Jesus teaches the disciples to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we know what heaven is like. We have an idea of what heaven would look like because the Bible outlines it all through Revelation. So what if we approached the way we live now like this? Being ambassadors of Christ, considering we know what heaven should look like, why can't we live on earth as it is in heaven? Why can't we live generously, giving our time, emotion, and attention? Why can't we live learning to be harmonious with people who don't look like us or sound like us or don't even believe like us? Why can't we consider God being our filter for everything? Why can't we come together this summer at Experience Church to encourage each other and to serve our communities? If this hope inspires us to live the way that we should on earth as it is in heaven, then we ought to join with our EXP missions and outreach team at our beach cleanup at Ocean Beach. We ought to join with our missions and outreach team where we're doing backpack drives in both locations with Because Justice Matters in San Francisco and Shelter Inc. in Fairfield here. If this hope is what we're truly saved in, then this hope should influence the way that we live our lives today. Listen, today was more of a teaching message, but I want to give an opportunity, opportunity and a space for those who are watching and hearing about what heaven should look like for the first time. Or maybe you've prayed the prayer of salvation and you've just kind of forgot about what comes next. I want to pray with you. I want to pray that God would stir inside of you a greater vision for heaven. I want to pray that God would stir in the global church this sense of hope and expectation, this excitement, this longing to see what heaven is going to look like, our renewed bodies on a new earth where heaven is reconciled to the place that we live in today. And everything looks like the Garden of Eden, where we truly become who we were born to be. Would you join me in prayer today? Father, we thank you today that you've outlined and you've given us an idea of what heaven should look like. And God, I repent for having such a small, for having such an ignorant idea of what heaven is. God, for not digging into the scriptures and really understanding what this hope means for us today. And God, I pray right now in this moment for those who don't know about this hope. God, would you meet them where they are, watching us online, all across the nation, all across the world. And God, for those of us who maybe know you, but don't know much about how to live out this hope in this life, God, would you stir in us creative ideas? God, would you give us people in our lives and highlight people that we can encourage, that we can pray for, that we can pray with? In Jesus' name, amen.